Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Today, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Um, And as you pull it up in your scripture, um, we have been talking and walking through this road of Jesus, kind of going to the cross and Over the last few weeks, you've heard so many different stories of Jesus up until this point. We're in what is called Palm Sunday. Um, Today begins Holy Week. This is the last week of Jesus. And we pick up the story um, in verse 1. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite of you. And immediately you will find a donkey tied and a coat with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. Or in the new international modern terms, Debo take an ease. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a coat, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Then they brought the donkey and the coat. They laid their clothes on them and he set and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them down on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Hey, over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you of this continuation or this second part called death row prayers, part two, death row prayers, part two. Come on, would you pray with me? And Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, for who you are. And Father, today, um, as we look, we're not sitting here sad or lamenting. Um, And there's people, Lord God, that are walking around with just baggage, Lord God. Um, And they look at this season, Lord God, and they're just, it's the death. But Father, we look at it as a resurrection, Lord Jesus. We're so grateful that you're still alive, that you're still on the throne, Lord. And as we begin, Lord God, to be able to talk about this Holy Week, Father, I pray that you would find yourself here with us. Speak to us, Lord God. Let it be your words and not mine, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that today that you would receive the glory, the honor, and the praise. That we would walk out of here with a clear understanding of not only our assignment, Lord God, but Father, I pray, Lord, that we would be encouraged to fulfill it. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, one more time. Would you put your hands together for Jesus? Death Row Prayers, part two. There is waiting. This generation will never understand what waiting is. Y'all have everything. uh, I think you have everything at your fingertips, really, literally, I mean, at your fingertips. I mean, I came from the, y'all remember Hollywood video, 10,000 movies? Remember when you used to have to go and it was like blockbuster, they started penalizing people for rewinding the movie. But some of y'all remember when you used to go and you were excited, you couldn't just sit on Netflix and just click and the movie just started. None of that. You had to go. And if somebody was on the other end of renting that video, VHS, crazy, Google it. It's insane. If somebody was on the other side and they rented that, then when you came home and you try to play it, you got to sit there, you got to rewind it. There was no instant button. 
You couldn't just press the button. Like, you know, you have your favorite songs now. And you can listen to your favorite songs on the radio. You could even circle around and put a little one. And you could put your song on repeat. It wasn't the same in my time. In my time, if you liked your song, you would listen to it. You know what I'm talking about? You groove with it a little bit. And then as soon as it was finished, you had to take the tape out, flip it, turn it around, put it on forward, and wait. And then when it was on forward, what would happen is that, for those of you, some of y'all, what happened? I don't understand. You guys are such boomers. What would happen is that if you went forward, the reverse side would actually go on reverse. It was the Illuminati. Magic. Magic. And so you, you would listen to music differently. We, we, some of us understand it wasn't as easy as just grabbing a phone and calling people. You knew you had to wait till 7 p.m. for nights and weekends. Ain't it true? You, nights and weekends. Hey, I'll call you back at 7 o'clock. I, I, I only got five minutes left. You got to wait. You didn't have money to sit there unlimited plans. You know what I mean? With your big block cell phones. And then the Nokia's with, you had to wait 7 p.m. I'll call you at 7 p.m. On the weekends, we could talk all day long. But you had to wait. I, I don't think this generation truly understands what waiting is. I, I don't think my generation, and I'm a Gen X. Anything you could do, I could do better. But I believe that the generation before me, uh, the boomers, as much as I, I love them, these were the generation that, yeah, they were seldom, seldom different things that happened in their life, but this was the generation that understood what it was like to wait, to sit at a job for 40 years without seeing the, 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 the lavish money. I was with an individual who played in the NFL. He was the number one pick for the Houston Oilers. He didn't see half the money that a person makes in management at Kmart. Yeah, this was an NFL team. You know what I mean? Like, it was just a totally different time. I think waiting has changed. Um, and I think in the lives of, of, especially nowadays, waiting means nothing. Jesus, he waited. Jesus, not only did he wait for his moment to be able to be born, but Jesus, for 30 years, do you understand me that for 30 years, Jesus walked this earth and he was being obedient and subject. Uh, Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 says that he stripped himself of his identity, of his divinity. To become just like me and you. And that this Jesus that I'm talking about, he walked and he, he hit his, his finger on a hammer because he was a carpenter. You know what I mean? I can't, I, he didn't cuss. They would have wrote me out the Bible. But this Jesus that I'm talking about, he lived for 30 years waiting, never revealing himself, never speaking about who he truly was. It was at the age of 30 that his ministry began. And then in his ministry, 30, and then his ministry was only Three years. So imagine having to wait 30 years for you to begin. And for some of us, man, you feel like you're in this waiting season. Your waiting season is not a prison sentence. I promise you that it's not. It's actually a preparation season. And I think God is starting to mold things in you and take care of some stuff and remove some things from your life. When you're so desperate to step into the next thing, when God is telling you the next thing is this. This is exactly what I have for you. I need you to be faithful in what I have and watch what happens. Jesus has been walking for 30 years. He wasn't complaining about this thing. As a matter of fact, when he was starting, when he did his first miracle, he did it reluctantly. It was his mom and she was at a wedding and they ran out of wine. Turn up. They ran out of wine and she was like, hey, can you... She's like, what, what do you want from me, woman? You know she wasn't Cuban. You know she wasn't Cuban. What do you want, woman? And Jesus turned water into wine. That, that was a reluctant. And from there on, he began his ministry three years into it. And here, can I give you a, a tip? Um, and this is actually a, a systematic tip. 
Um, and I'm going to do a, an entire series on this. I've talked about it. I think I've even preached a message around habits, but I don't think I've actually sat down and really took a series to unpack what it looks like. But there's this thing called aggregation of marginal gains, right? And, and David Bisbane, I, I want to say his name correctly so I don't butcher this guy's name. David Brailsford, um, he was this cycling uh, coach. And the, the team in Britain were horrible at cycling they weren't good at pedaling right at, at running on a bike y'all know what I'm talking about and so they they every single year every four years when they would go to the Olympics they would lose and so what he did was that for four years he said what I'm going to try to do is in the next 10 years I'm going to at least try to get us one gold medal one gold medal in the next 10 years and what he did was that he started doing aggregational gains he started doing little things and so he changed their pillows and then what he did was he changed their diet, their sleeping regimen. He changed their hand-washing soap. He changed their floors to be white where they trained so that whenever they see on the white floor that there was dust, they were able to clean the white floors. So, I mean, he started doing the little things. As he started doing the little things, all of a sudden, it started to create aggregational gains and things started to compile on top of each other. He didn't have to wait 10 years for them to win the gold medal. They actually won the gold medal in their first try. And not only did they win one gold medal, they won 10 gold medals because of the little aggregational gains in a season of waiting. This is not a prison sentence. This is preparation for you. What God has put in your hand, if you continue to apply the little things, the things that probably piss you off, the things that annoy you, but if you take one foot and put it in front of the other and you continue to to work at the little things you'll watch as you look back on your life and you'll see what God has amounted and you'll begin to see that this season of waiting is not wasted but it's actually preparing you for an even bigger season and sometimes that even bigger season is not that season where you're just hallelujah glory to God I got the new car I got the wife I got the house I got everything that I needed sometimes the waiting turns into war yeah. Jesus he walks into the scene and he's standing there and he's been waiting He's had miracles where people have come back to life. Jesus has placed his hands on the sick and they have been healed. Demons have been casted out. And every single time that he has performed any type of miracle, the words that have come out of his mouth was, do not tell anybody about this. He constantly was saying, yo, I got to hide in this season. I need to make sure because I'm in a waiting season. And what he said was, listen, don't worry about telling people about this. You don't have to. And what did they do? They turned around and told people anyway. Your, room is always gonna, your gift is always going to make room for you. You don't got to run your mouth and tell people about what you have. I know there's seasons in your life you feel like, man, I feel marginalized, shorter. I don't feel like people are really seeing the extent of who I am. Relax. Relax. The Bible says that promotion comes from the Lord. The Bible says that Jesus walks up and he gets to this space where it's about to go down. If I'm honest with you, Jesus walked into death row. That's what it really was. Because in just a week, we have the privilege of being able to read the Bible year and year again. We get to see the Bible and understand it. Yo, this is the week, the beginning of the end of his life. Could you imagine what would you do if you knew that next week you would die? Well, how would you spend your week? Would you be home? You know what I mean? Like, what would you do if you knew, like, yo, next week, I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to be dead. Are you trying to reconcile with family members? Are you trying to spend time with your kids? Are you trying to look in their eyes, take pictures? Like, what are you trying to do? Jesus was serving people. Jesus came in and he turned it into hyperdrive. Not only did he serve people, 
But he began to pour himself into people. I'll show you in just a second. But what I'm trying to explain to you here was that there was no time for lamenting in this season. It was a time of celebration. Because we understand that the opposite side of Palm Sunday, the opposite side of Easter, is the victory that me and you stand on, which is called Jesus Christ resurrected. He came to bring victory to us. We look at the Easter story not with hurt, pain, scared, fear in our heart. But we understand that we won already. They didn't. They're standing there, and they're going into Jerusalem. And Jesus turns to the disciples, and he tells them, hey, would you do me a favor? And I want you to go right on the other side of, the, of our city right here. And on the other side, I want you to go find me a donkey and a coat that's tied to it, and I want you to bring it. And if, you, and if somebody asks you something, tell them that the Lord has need of it. I'm trying to figure out why did God, number one, why did Jesus need anything, first of all, but that side note, but why did he need the donkey? Like, think about this. Like, Jesus is walking into Jerusalem. He, he could have just walked into Jerusalem. He knows he's going to go to the cross. Why couldn't he just walk to Jerusalem and just go on about a business? Why did he need to go a, a donkey? Why did he need to come? Because here's what's happening at this very moment. What he was doing is he was making a declaration. What he was doing was that, yo, for three years I've been waiting, but now I'm going to declare and I'm going to show you what it is that who I am. And here's what Jesus did. Zechariah, come up on the screen. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just as having, he is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a coat and a fowl of a donkey. Zechariah was literally prophesying that Jesus would walk into the city. And what Jesus was doing was that he was fulfilling prophecy at that moment. Two things were happening. Two things were happening. Number one, this donkey that we're talking about, this donkey was significant of peace. So whenever a king would rise up to go to war, the king would ride out in a horse or chariots and they would go out and they would fight and they would come back and if there was peace if there was not peace people would come in horses to come kill everybody in the city by the way but if there was peace you would see the king come back and usually every single time that king would come back in a donkey and every time that the people saw it in the city you could imagine they're on pins and needles the whole time they're just waiting I wonder what happened to my son I wonder what happened to my husband who's at war. I wonder what happened to the king. What happened to our generals? What's going on? Are we going to be freed? All of a sudden, when they see from afar off that there was a king in that moment that was riding on a donkey, something inside of them will rise up where they'll say, yo, we won the battle and this is peace. And Jesus, what he was saying in this moment, what he was teaching the people was that I know that you're waiting for a king that's going to come in a horse to fight and destroy the Roman government of which they were in bondage to. He said, I'm going to show you something that's a bit bigger than what you have in mind. I am going to bring peace in this situation. Understand that you can fight as much as you want. You're not going to get peace. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what your 401k. I don't know. I don't care how much you got in crypto and doggy coin. I don't care how much you got in, in Bitcoin. You're not going to be able to purchase peace. You might be able to go to the beach for a little while and get some peace. But when you come home. It's on. What Jesus was signifying in this moment was he was coming to tell you that I am the peace. I'm coming not only to explain to you and to give you peace, but I want to give you victory. Watch this. Scripture says that they took palm branches and that they would take these palm branches and they would drop these palm branches on the ground. 
And these palm branches, when Jesus was there, they were walking. As Jesus comes, the disciples come. They stole the donkey, pretty much. They come and they, they bring the donkey to him. Jesus is on his donkey. Jesus on a donkey riding through Jerusalem. Eh, eh, eh. Yeah, I don't know the song. Go look at it. Google it. Go on the YouTube. Jesus is riding on his donkey and he's coming in. And scripture says that they begin to take through, they, they took two things. They begin to throw palm branches. Today is traditionally known as Palm Sunday because of the triumphal entry of Jesus. Scripture says that they began to throw these palm branches on the ground. And these palm branches, what they were significant of is victory. Whenever there was a big war and there was a victor in that war, they would take palm branches. Y'all remember, how many of y'all remember seeing like Gladiator? Remember seeing the movie Gladiators? All four and a half of y'all, uh, Ricky, you probably were in Gladiator. Um, <laughs> they, they would have these palm branches that they would throw on the ground. And basically what they would do was that they were, they, you won. And so they would have, if you watch them, they would even make a crown out of palms and they would put it on them because they were the victors. And so you've seen this as a sign of victory whenever you saw palm branches. So what they were saying in Jesus, what they were doing at this time is that Jesus, you are our victory. Here's the crazy part about it. It, it wasn't a victorious week. Starting Friday was a horrible week. As a matter of fact, a lot of the people that were screaming, Hosanna, throwing the palm branches. There he go. He's about to rescue us. I'm about to get me a car, a house. Oh, my God. The Romans are not. Y'all don't know what's coming. <laughs> He's about to whoop y'all. All of those people turned around on him and began to say, crucify him. When Pilate said, yo, I don't want to kill this guy. I don't got nothing to do with him. Uh, uh, Barabbas, you know, this guy killed people. Do you, I got to release somebody. Give us Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. These were the very people that turned on him. And some of us, we know those people that turned on us. And we, we've been in that situation where people who are on our side, they were throwing palm branches down. All of a sudden turned around and say, crucify us. What I want you to understand is that there's a purpose to your pain. There's a reason why this happened. There's a reason why even in your life, you're looking at the palm branches and they're missing in your life. Because for some of us in this room right now, it feels like, man, we have no victory for anything. It feels like we can't find any victory in our finances. Every time that we try to get our money right, it gets funny. Every time that we try to get this relationship right, it just feels like it gets discombobulated. We've been trying to get a relationship with our parents, forgive them. But we, we, we just, it just feels like we're constantly just feeling like this. It's ripping us apart. Even friendships. I'm trying to have these relationships with these certain people, and it feels like it's a losing battle. And every single step that I take, it feels like every day, like I see a couple of victories, but then all of a sudden it feels like I'm losing the battle again. I want to show you something because the children of Israel, they saw something that we can use. They began to praise Jesus before they ever received the promise. They started to prophetically declare that he was not only filled with peace, but that he also had victory. And so what happens is that before it ever gets there, they were already worshiping Jesus for it. And so what happens is in the waiting room, you could praise him in the hallway before you ever get there. And there needs to be moments where you could just sit there and reflect. I want to show you an exercise. Back in the days, y'all, for, for, for us in Miami, we used to have this, uh, we used to have this, this phrase that we used to say. We actually made it into a conference and, an, and a song out of it. But we used to say, speak to your future and watch it speak back. And so in moments of your life where you feel like, yo, I'm not winning any wars, begin to speak to your future and watch it begin to speak back to you. Begin to change the way that you speak about these things and the way that you feel about them. I can show you. We're going to do a practical exercise because I have to envision this in my life. I was having a conversation yesterday with somebody and my wife um, yesterday, where's she at? 
somewhere around. Oh, she went to go get the food. My, my wife yesterday, it was her birthday, y'all, April 1st. It was her birthday, and we were turning up. We had fun. I, was ta- I took her riding bikes and all type of different things. Every one of my muscles hurt right now. But, but I, was, I was having a conversation, and you know what you tend to do sometimes, especially when it's the high times, you, you sometimes, and I hope that you do this, is that you tend to reflect. And hopefully, my desire, my hope is that even from now, from this message, I hope that you take time to reflect and that you would begin to look at things and start looking around and seeing things. Watch this. I want you all to reflect. Quick exercise. Think about, close your eyes for just a second. If you're online, do this. If you're driving, don't do this. Do this later. Rewind the tape and go listen to it again later. But, but I want you to close your eyes for just a second. There is a prayer request. There is an area of your life that you know that there needs to be victory in, whether it's your own emotional health whether it's sin, whether it's financial, the, the marriage, the relationship, there's an area, um, and whatever that area is, I just want you to think about it for a moment. And here it is. This is what I want you to do. I just want you to think right now, if that situation got resolved, all of a sudden you looked in your bank account and there was $100,000, you can pay the debt off, or that person came in and you were able to reconcile with that person and now you're living a happy home. All of a sudden now your kids are back and they're loving Jesus. You got, think about that for just a second. Just, it, it worked out. God made the contract go through. We got the house. We were able to sell that. It, it worked out. Look, look up at me, look up at me. Do you see that feeling? That feeling, that right there that you feel, you turn that thing into praise. Before you ever get that promise, before this person's name that you wrote on this card ever comes to Jesus, you begin to say, God, I just thank you because I feel it. I know that it's there. It's a reality. It's something that's coming. I know that this person is going to come to Jesus. I know that they're going to put the blunt down. I know that they're going to put the alcohol down. I know that they're going to come to you. And you just begin to feel, if I just gave you that feeling with just you thinking, imagine if you start to think that thing and bring that feeling to God and tell God, I know that you can rescue them I know that you can change them I know that you can set me free I know that I don't have to be bound to this no more I know that I don't have to follow this I don't have to be my mom I don't have to be what cancer I don't have to be what this health issue says I am your child imagine if you begin to praise God preemptively way before it ever comes in may I even say when you begin to praise God prophetically Before it ever happens, you already see it ahead of time. God, I know you're going to take care of this. I know you're going to work this thing out. You know how much stress you're going to relieve yourself of? Some of y'all been trying to go to the gym for all three and a half minutes. You walk in there trying to get the stress off. Imagine if you just take time to just reflect and say, God, I know this thing is coming. I know that person is, I see that person in the seat. Lord, I see that thing already happening right now. I see you doing this thing. I see them coming in and I see them preaching the gospel. This is where my life was before I met Jesus, but this is where my life is now. And I see them proclaiming it. Man, you begin to see that and then you begin to speak that to God. Lord, I have faith in you. I begin to throw my palm branches down knowing that you already got the victory. I begin, I get that peace. That it overpasses, that, un, that so overpasses my understanding. Lord, I got that peace living inside of me. You start to think different. You start to move a little bit different. But can I show you that there wasn't just palm branches that they were throwing on there. I don't know if you missed this. And sometimes what happens is that we do miss this, especially during the season of Palm Sunday. We begin to miss that there was actually more that was put on there. Watch this. Look what the scripture says. It says, so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. And they brought a donkey and the coat. And watch this. And they, can you bring it up real quick? I know I threw y'all under the bus. I should have had the, the scriptures. Probably somewhere in the middle. Now when the disciples drew the pump and then keep going. 
Behold, your king is coming, Father. Okay, watch this. And so the disciples, y'all like how I read. And so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. And they brought the donkey and they laid there. Come on, you guys can help me out. I remember that I was in a space in my life where, man, I was so broken. And some of you know my story. And, man, I was a gang member my entire life. Um, when I was 19 years old, I, I got sent to prison for five years. My life was an absolute disaster. You know what was crazy is that the police officers who were actually inside of that prison, they would prophesy to me without even knowing it. You know what they tell me? You'll be back. They would prophesy to me and they'd tell me, you'll be back. And you know what I would say to them? You're right. But I'm not coming the way you think I'm coming. Just a few weeks ago, I explained to you and I talked to you about this idea that, uh, that we had presented to us where somebody asked us to come and to come to a prison. And we were able to go to that prison. And for the first time in 19 years, don't do the math, um, I was actually able to go to this prison. And for the first time ever, I was able to walk into this prison and begin to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And do you know that I'm going to talk about it at the very end, a little bit about it. But do you know that that was an absolute miracle, but it was actually an answer to the prophecy that was set before me where officers told me, you're going to come back. And I said, yeah, you're right. This, but I'm coming back to preach the gospel because I was already a Christian. I loved the Lord. They knew that I loved the Lord, but they just thought, you're an inmate, dude. You're going to go back out there. You're going to go do drugs and come back, and you're going to commit another crime. I'm not. The only crime that I'm going to commit is that I'm going to kill the devil every single step that I can, that I'm going to reach people that are far from him, and I'm going to bring them to him, that I'm going to snatch people from the flames. The only crime that I'm going to commit is plunging, killing, destroying, burglarizing, uh, armed robbery, hell, and I'm going to bring all of them to heaven. I'm going to destroy hell. That's, that's the only way you're going to see me come back here. But what was crazy was that they were speaking to it, but what they didn't understand is that I, had take my, I took my clothes off. And I put my clothes on there for Jesus to be able to pronounce that he is king. Clothes in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, traditionally, even today in 2023, I've said this a ton of times, clothes are significant of your identity. It is who you are, right? You don't see a police officer wearing basketball jeans, basketball shorts. I mean, a, a, wedding, a wedding doesn't have a woman who is going to be married, which is the bride, walking in wearing scrubs from a hospital. Unless you got married like that, God bless you. You know what I mean? Some of y'all dress like Elvis. We don't judge you guys. We love y'all. But what would happen was that they would have your identity. Your identity was usually nine times out of ten, it was tied to what you were wearing. So if you were wearing something, it really represented who you were. And so what they were doing was that they were taking their identity and what they were saying was, Jesus, use my identity to be able to tell the story of who you are. Remember I said that Jesus was coming in a donkey declaring who he was. I am now showing you for 33 years I've been walking lowly telling people don't say anything about me. But now all of a sudden, I'm riding on a donkey to fulfill Zechariah 9.9 for people to see that, yo, I am the king. And Jesus is walking and he's declaring to everybody. And everybody who's around him is saying, Hosanna, praise God, hallelujah, son of David. They're starting to call him king. And he's just sitting there on a donkey. He said, you say rightly who I am. And Jesus is pronouncing this and he's proclaiming this. He's declaring this and he's using their identities to be able to do so. Scripture says that they put the coat. Do me a favor, flip to the other one. Not only did they put it on the coat, but they also began to throw it on the ground and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. I don't know if you ever saw this in scripture, but basically what they were saying was use whatever I have 
to be able to declare that you are king. Is this not what it looks like today, especially with this greater together pledge and, and, and offering that we were talking about, that we've been talking about for weeks? That we have individuals in our life where I'm, I'm laughing and I'm so grateful for individuals like Tim McCrink. They came in here and, bro, they flipped that room around. I don't know if you've been back there. If you haven't been back there, I want you to go back there and I just want you to look. They put crown molding. They're actually doing extensively over what we ask, imagine, or think. Praise the Lord. They're actually taking that entire hallway and they're turning it into a storage so that we can be able to put stuff for kids in there. They're creating not just a hallway, but a deck, a floor, a wall. So it's not just a little pathway for us to go to next steps, but they're creating a really beautiful way for us to go in there. Here's what's going to happen. When we start our youth ministry inside of that room, there are going to be young people that are so filled with anger. They're so broken because they've been abused horribly that they hate anything that has to do with God. And yet in that room, I believe in the name of Jesus and I'm speaking, I'm declaring it, that they're going to find Jesus and their entire life is going to get changed. The next Billy Graham is going to be found inside of that room. The next person that's going to reach and write the greatest songs that are known to man are going to be found right side inside the room. Because what happened, somebody used their identity, a hammer and some nails and some plywood, and they actually began to build something so that men and women could go into that room. There's going to be conversations that you're going to have that you're going to watch that there are needs in your life that all of a sudden you talk to somebody oh my, I didn't know you did that you know what I actually need help in that that was me and Nuno and Angel this entire church it was having a conversation them boys came in here and they began to rip out pews and chairs all of the stuff that you see carpets I mean all of the floors these were individuals that I connected with and they're like yeah yeah we could take care of this and you're going to start watching as relationships happen right inside of that room you're going to start watching as your young people your kindergartners, for those of you that have kindergartners to fifth graders, you're going to watch them as they transition through them. But as they transition to them, I believe prophetically that they're not just going to transition through a room, but I believe that they're going to transition from being young men to being men of God and women of God. You're going to watch as they learn stories back there. Today, they're learning about Palm Sunday. They're learning about the declaration of who God is and how he announced that he is king. What happens is that we're building these rooms not to build a room. We're building these things because we're building people. We're believing that these things are all about people. Paul Palmer, the other one that we're doing, Paul Palmer with the Atlanta Dream Center. I talked to him yesterday and I said, Paul, talk to me a little bit about what's happening. And Paul said, I want to show you a picture and I want you to look at Frank. This was Frank in May 2022. This is Frank in May 2022. This is another one that we're supporting. The Atlanta Dream Center, they take homeless people who are in, 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 uh, that are on the streets and we gave money and we're giving money towards him, the guy on the right side with the black shirt, he's turning 72 years old and he's going to go homeless for 72 hours to be able to raise money because they're buying two safe homes. These safe homes are for women and men that are drugged, in, that are just messed up. Um, some of them are in sex trafficking. A lot of these women, they go out every single week to Delk Road and different places and they bring flowers to them. On those flowers, there's a card. Greater Church, we've done this. There's a card on it that says, do you want to get out? When that woman says, I don't want to be in sex trafficking anymore or when that man has a conversation and says I don't want to be homeless anymore they bring them off of the streets and they put them in a program they take them to these safe houses and they get the drugs out of them so they throw up they go through their fever all of their withdrawals and then when they're finished and they're starting to get cleaned up they begin to walk them through the process of restoration this was May 2022 you want to see what the process of restoration looks like I want to show you what December 2022 looks like where Frank is now working for a law firm and he's an investigator going around and he has a job. That's him right there. In just a few months, 
And I could begin to show you, as we were talking, I was like, yo, I don't have the time to give all the stories. We're going to give all the stories because we're going to be a part of those stories. But I just want you to understand that this is work that's happening where a man, Paul Palmer, said, you know what? I'm going to throw my clothes on and I'm going to let Jesus proclaim that he is king. We talked about this RV that was donated and the RV that we're going to renovate. What, what's funny is, my, okay, I can't talk to you right now. What's funny is this, this RV um, uh, Linda, who, man, has been working tirelessly, um, and she's been grinding. I love her so much. She gave us this RV, and she donated it, and we've talked about how we're going to take pastors, ministry leaders, and we're going to help them to be able to go what we already do, which is called soul care retreats. We send pastors with your tithes and offerings once a month. We take a portion of it, and we usually, there's pastors in our network, pastors that we love that are just broken, that are just messed up and they're just like, Chino, I'm on my last leg, man. I'm about to quit. I don't want to do this anymore. Their marriages are in shambles. And what we do is that we pay for them to go up to the Blue Ridge Mountains. And when they go up there, they just spend some time with God. And we give them a book for them to read. We eliminate all Wi-Fi, all distractions. And they spend time with God. And they come back time and time again telling us, man, you don't understand what happened. As a matter of fact, we just got another little bit of a blessing added to the RV. Damien McCrink. I, don't, I hope you guys remember Damien McCrink. Um, his wife passed away here. Um, 19 years of marriage, 42 years old. Um, she passed away from brain cancer here on December 8th. Um, and or, or December 10th or 8th. And so we prayed and we've walked through this journey with him. Do you know that his wife went to the hospital? I think it was November 28th. Ten days later, she passed away. Never had one symptom. Never felt anything. And she had brain cancer and she passed away. But do you know that the week before that happened, he was one of the pastors that you paid for to be able to go to Blue Ridge Mountain because him and his wife were thinking we're going to plant another church. And they were actually in the process of planting a church. And you sent them out there for three days. You know that when I had a conversation with him, I asked him, yo, how did this help you? He said, Chino, this thing actually benefited me because what it did, it gave me the strength and the fortitude to be able to walk through this season. Because if I wouldn't have went to that mountain, if I wouldn't have spent time with God and this would have happened, he would have been broken. He would have been so far. He would have gave up on everything because you know what it is for your wife of 19 years with three beautiful children for her to just leave and you're trying to pick up the pieces by yourself. It could only be the grace of God. It wasn't a mountain experience. It was the God that he found on that mountain experience that we were able to give him. And so what's going to happen is this RV, people are going to walk in there. Well, I don't even know why I'm in here. They're going to walk through the steps. Oh, that's a nice bed. I don't even know. Oh, that's a TV. We smell good in here. I hate God. God, I don't even want to do this no more. I hate Christians. I hate church people. And God, my God, I just want to stab them all. And they just, pastors don't talk like that. I never talk like that. Never. Never. In Jesus' name. And what's going to happen is that you're going to watch as they begin to open up the Bible. And we're going to pray and anoint that RV to the moment that they walk. They, man, woof. This is different in here. Why does it feel like this? And you're going to start watching as God begins to move in their life. And you're going to hear story after story. Friends of mine who were on the edge of giving up on ministry. This has already been done over the last few years. At the edge of giving up on ministry. And now I'm watching them and I'm having conversations with these individuals as they begin to start a second service because their church is blowing up. Their marriage is so much better than it's ever been. And they write saying, man, tell Greater Church, thank you, man. If it wasn't for me taking three days to go up to Blue Ridge, I would have been a mess. But I'm so grateful that I get to be a part of this story. That's when you take your clothes, Greater Church, and you put it on the ground. One of us today took his clothes and put it on the ground in Hungary. 
And we know that Chris and Emma, they left to Hungary last week. I'm sorry, they left to Hungary on Tuesday. And they went over there, the daughter and the, and, the, and the dad. And so they're going over there to be able to take a check on our behalf to an orphanage in Hungary or actually to a ministry that's going to go to several different or orphanages. They're bringing Christian comic books they're bringing Christian coloring books and they're bringing gifts for all the kids that are in orphanages that don't get them. And what they're going to do is that they're going to allow for them to preach the gospel of Jesus through these coloring books and lead these kids to Jesus. Come on, somebody. Anybody excited that we're globally reaching people for Jesus? And so what they're doing is that they're taking their life and they're putting their life down so that Jesus can be glorified. As a matter of fact, talked about this a minute ago Jesus himself he's standing at the precipice at the very cusp next Sunday we're going to talk about the cross and we're going to talk about the resurrection I got a message that I'm, I'm going to illustrate what it looked like for Jesus in the middle of this thing but then to watch on the other side of this that we have a victorious king that we actually can stand on his shoulders and continue to do what he did but watch this he's at the very beginning of this thing he's on a donkey and he's imagine this Jesus knows what's ahead of him on the other side of the week. Jesus knows that he's going to be marred beyond recognition. He's going to be, his face is going to be so disfigured. Scripture says that he was unrecognizable. I mean, this man is going to have all type of pain, insults thrust at him. The very people that he spent years with are the very people that are going to deny him and turn their back on him. He's going to watch as individuals who said Hosanna are going to say crucify him. He's going to watch his people spit in his face. But yet scripture said that he said, I'm going to... I'm not, I'm not putting my clothes down. I'm not going to put my clothes down to pronounce that I'm king. I'm going to put my life down to pronounce that I'm king. Because what happened is that Jesus had a different mindset. He wasn't thinking about himself. Scripture says for the joy set before him, for me and you, he was thinking about our life. He was thinking about every single one of these cards and individuals who we wrote the name on. As he's standing here and he's about to go into Jerusalem. I can only imagine the story of Annabelle Canales. That name might not mean anything to you. But it will in a second. Annabelle Canales. I mentioned to you two weeks ago that, uh, that I was, uh, and I mentioned to you a minute ago, that I was able to go to a prison um, in Texas. Uh, Mike Barber uh, Ministries. And Mike Barber, he used to play football um, in the NFL. He's an absolute legend. I believe that he, two things I believe on this earth that have never left. Two things is money. Um, I have friends of mine, uh, who it was, I think it was John Ramundi that I was talking to that he actually buys mints from like Caesar and like all through time, all the coins and gold, all the money that has ever happened. I know a lot of it get burned now, paper money, but a lot of the coin and all the money that has ever existed throughout time, it's still here on earth. It doesn't go to heaven. You don't have a U-Haul truck. There's no bank account. You ain't got no crypto in heaven. Everything stays here. But I think not only does money stay here, I think there's another thing that stays here and I think they're mantles. And so mantles, they don't leave. Elijah, he had a mantle over his life. And scripture says that that mantle was placed on Elisha. And you start to watch as these mantles all through scriptures, you see them pass down and pass down and pass down. I believe that Mike Barber, he carries a mantle. And it's especially for those individuals who are in prison. And so they called Mike because they said this specific unit, it's called the Hughes unit. You can Google it. The Hughes unit right now has the most murders in Texas. People are killing each other. Cellmates are stabbing each other in their sleep because of fentanyl and K2, which is two drugs that are being introduced into these prisons. And these people are just wide open with it right now. So there's the most murders. There's the most drug use. I mean, it's the most broken prison that you would ever see. 
And what they were saying was, we need to fix this thing and we need to do something. So they said, you know what, we're going to do a program. And what we're going to do is that we're going to begin to train inmates from different prisons. And what we're going to do is this, Mike, we need your help. I need you to bring me a preacher. I need you to bring me somebody. And we're going to do five days of a campaign. And what we're going to do is we're going to set up your tent that he does on a weekly basis. But this time was special. He says, we're going to set up the tent inside the church, inside of the prison yard. And we're going to preach the gospel because we need Jesus to help this, count, this, this, this unit out. We need people to come to know. We know that Jesus is the only answer. These are the wardens and the big regional directors of the state of Texas that are saying, we need Jesus in this prison. It's the only thing that's going to stop these inmates from killing each other. While I was there, an inmate got airlifted. These guys are getting on drugs and they're throwing themselves off from a third story all the way to kill themselves. I mean, the stuff that's happening in that prison was ridiculous. And so they called Mike and they say, Mike, we need your help. Please, would you help us? Please, Mike. Mike said, yeah, absolutely. We'll come in there and we'll, we'll, do a, we'll do a whole deal. We'll do five days and I'll bring a few preachers in there and we'll, we'll go to work. What, what they did was that they closed every single prison in Texas. And they brought all the wardens and all of the high ups, the directors. They brought them to this prison, to the Hughes unit. And then what they did was that they trained prison inmates in all these different camps all over the state of Texas. They trained them and taught them how to share the gospel. And then they put them on a bus and they brought them to this specific prison unit to go door to door and cell to cell evangelize. You've never heard of anything like that. And one by one, they started leading people and telling them, hey, you got to come to church tonight. You got to come to church this afternoon. It was a 12 p.m. service and a 6 p.m. service. You got to come. And they started evangelizing and they would go back to the back where segregation was or where the individuals were. They had, they had, a, they had been in a solitary confinement and they were inside of a room trapped. Some of them for 23 years trapped in a room you couldn't get out of there for 23 years and then they with the day that their prison sentence was opening they're standing behind you at walmart so 20 i mean these guys were all over this place preaching and then bringing them and mike calls my pastor back in miami he says hey i need you to come and i need you to preach i need the big guns i need to bring the real preachers i need i need some i need it and my pastor said you don't need me he said you don't need my son he says i know exactly who you have you you need my cuban son and he gave him my phone number Little did he know that for 19 years I have been praying and asking God. I've been trying over and over to get into a prison and he called me. I went into that prison and the final, the last report that we got, and not only me, but there were other individuals. So I'm not trying to take the glory for any of this stuff. But I want to show you real quick. This was the response that the regional warden gave to them today. Watch this. This is the email that he got. The Hughes unit statement. It's a different unit. Total peace all over the unit. The heads of state cannot be more complimentary. Thank you for making this happen for us. We introduced Jesus to a prison and turned that place upside down. Where they were having murders, now there's ministry happening in that mug. Where people were killing each other, now all of a sudden they're bringing people back to life. Like, I mean, this is the gospel. This is when you take your life and you put it down so that Jesus can announce that he's king. You know why this happened? It was because Jesus gave his life. But it also happened because of Anibal Canales. That name might not mean to nothing to you. But in 1993, he went to prison because he got caught with a fake check. And in 1993, he joined a gang because he was scared of where he was at and they were going to kill him because of his charges. And this individual joined this gang and for him to join the gang, they told him, you need to kill somebody. And what happens in Texas is that if you go to Texas 
And if you have a certain amount of time, and if you kill an inmate, they kill you. So the death penalty is a big deal in Texas. So for 22 years, 20, how many of y'all remember where you were at 22 years? Some of y'all weren't even born. You were a twinkle in your daddy's eye. 22 years, this man has been in that same prison cell, in death row, waiting to be executed because of somebody that he killed in his dorm. 22 years. Anibal gave his life to Jesus. And Anibal has changed who he was. And he's a totally different person as of 2022. This was 20-something years of Mike, Mike Barber constantly going in and preaching the gospel. I don't want to hear that crap. Oh, Mike, I'm good, man. I don't, I'm going to die anyway. I don't care about this. I don't believe in this Jesus. None of this stuff. Well, can I tell you that when we were sitting here at this prison preaching, Anibal, who was already saved, he had said to himself, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you a miracle because this is nothing but God. He said to himself, I'm going to take a week and I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast for you guys that you're preaching in the hues that we see lots of souls come to know Jesus. 1,100 people came in that prison, in that, in that service. 700 of them gave their life to Jesus. 700 of them gave their life to Jesus in one service. Crazy. I mean, it was ridiculous. I was watching because I had a little scream in front of me. I was watching men with tattoos all over their face, bawling, <laughs> crying before the Lord. I was watching men who had men. They did some pretty bad things with their hands raised up saying, I no longer want to be a gang leader. I watched the third person in the Aryan nation come to Jesus and begin to evangelize in that prison. I mean, stuff that you never imagined. It's a totally different world. But I need about to take one week. I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. That might not be a lot for you. Anibal was sentenced to die March 29th. So his last week of him living, he said, I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray so that souls can come to know Jesus and they wouldn't be like me. So on this man's last week of life, he's about to get executed. I was with the regional warden. I was with the, uh, the chaplain. So the main guy over the entire state of Texas, he's sitting next to me. And he's, they're telling me the story of how he's fasting for us. And I'm like, yo, that's crazy. I'm like, is there any way that he can? No, he has no stays. There's absolutely nothing in the works. There's no way that he can. There's nothing that he can do. This, he's going to die. March 29th. And this man was fasting for us. I called Mike. When I thought it was going to happen. And I said, hey, Mac, talk to me about Anibal, man. What's going on? He said, Chino, I'm actually interviewing him on April 14th because they gave him a stay of execution. Come on, man. I mean, come on, man. This man took his clothes and said, Jesus, use my last little. What would you do if you had a week left for life? Are you fasting and praying for people? The people who turned around and said, crucify him? Literally, they said, crucify him. He was going to receive a lethal injection. And yet he's saying, you know what? There's some guys that are on the other side that if they believe in Jesus and if they find the Jesus that I found, they won't find themselves in this place where I'm at. And he said to himself, I'm going to use my clothes to be able to proclaim that Jesus is king. What would it look like for those of us who are in this room, for us to take our life and for us to use whatever God has put in our hands to be able to proclaim that Jesus is King. What would it look like if you used your talents? God has put songs inside of you. There are books inside of some of you guys. There's some movies that you're going to direct. 
There's some ideas. Some of you, you wanted to open up an orphanage. You wanted to be a youth pastor. Some of you, you wanted to create these homes so that young people can come in and get, get off of drugs. And You had all of these thoughts and all of these dreams. What would happen if you took your life and you began to put it down so that Jesus can proclaim that you are king? What will happen is that it will turn into death row prayers and death row prayers create life in so many other people because God will begin to use you in ways that you didn't imagine. But for some of us who are in this room, we feel like we're on death row. And if I'm honest with you, you feel like when I talked a moment ago and I was like, man, it feels like you can't win at anything. And every time that you try to take two steps forwards, it feels like you take two steps back. And it feels like, man, you're so filled with shame. And it feels like, man, I messed everything up. And it feels like, man, I did this again. And oh man, I closed this door. And I feel like this person turned their back on me. And this person stabbed me in the back. And man, it feels like you've just been going in circles. And it feels like you've been fighting a losing war. Today, I want to introduce you to a Jesus that not only is going to bring peace into your life. And I believe that be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, make your requests known unto the Lord. And the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus that scripture talks about this peace that Jesus brings but not only that he also brings victory into your life that you no longer have to be bound by that addiction you no longer have to be bound by that life but that today Jesus can actually break you free the other side of the palm story is the cross but the other side of the cross is a Jesus that is still alive a Jesus that sits at the right hand of the father watch this making intercession for you layman's terms he's praying for you he still has you on his mind you want to talk about death row prayers jesus had you on his mind the whole time would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes thanks for listening to our podcast today the mission of greater church is to reach and empower all people we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms at My 